This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hi, folks. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. This is Mindful Medicine. I am so happy about our subject today. We're going to be talking about mental health. And I don't think we talk about the subject enough, quite honestly. I mean, I think that we do talk about health and wellness. There's all sorts of blogs and webinars and summits and white papers about diet and digestion and all the other great physical things we have going on with our body. But I think mental health is something that is so important. Um, and I've got an incredible guest. I just want to bring her on right now. She wrote a book uh, called Mental Health Emergencies, and it is a comprehensive guide to common mental and emotional health crises from depression, substance abuse, and PTSD to psychosis and suicide and provides overviews of recommended recovery procedures. I want to welcome Michelle Hart. She's a licensed clinical social worker, has over 20 years experience in the field of social work, and has worked in residential and outpatient clinics, educational settings, and probation and parole settings. Her primary focus and passion has been centered around trauma and its impact on children's, families, and adults. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here today. Yeah, so... Like I said, I I love talking about mental health because I think it is so important. You know, when I was in school as a naturopathic student, um, and we had we had different shifts actually for mind body medicine, and I thought that was kind of peculiar at the time because I always thought you know you can't really separate them, um, and so why would you tease out even saying oh I practice mind body medicine because I guess I felt like everybody should be practicing mind body medicine because. The mind um, has so much to do with the body, and I think vice versa. And the fact that we separate it and sort of reduce it to just mind-body or, uh, it, you know, I, I was always confused by that. But I do think that talking about mental health, especially in our modern day, is so extremely important. It's very important. That's why we do this, and that's the reason the book was written, for that very I was reason. Gonna, it's, it's, yeah. It should be the top priority right now. So yeah, that's. I wanted to ask you, what what was the purpose of of writing the book? Well, the purpose of the book was designed for information for the everyday person. It was designed to help um, everyone. So your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, um, anybody deal with mental health crises. I, I'm a co-author, and my co-author is just a lay person in the field of mental health who was called upon on several occasions to help go to a situation and hold it until a mental health professional could arrive. And in doing so, we decided, him and I, that there were skills and tools that everybody should have, or toolbox, if you will, to be that person that can just help a situation. We all have that capability to help in the moment until a professional arrives. So the premise and basis of the book is everyday use for everyday people to help in a mental health emergency. So what would you call a mental health emergency? I mean, certainly we're riddled, I think, in this um, in this modern day with depression and anxiety, um, acts, you know, sort of disorders of the, I would say, HPA axis or the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis because of uh, the amount of compounded and confounded and multiple stressors that people are going through on a daily basis that just are insurmountable at times. But what would you like, identify as a mental health emergency? I, 
I identify a mental health emergency, and it's similar to what you were saying in the beginning, is when your mind and body are out of connection. Mm. So we function as one unit, and when there's a disconnect from our mind and our body, and it might be through a series of many, many, many instances, we tend to think it's one thing that causes a traumatic event or a mental health crisis. Generally, something that builds up over time, and it could be something that consider rather insignificant that causes the eventual mental health crisis. Um, the definition is when your mind and body are out of sync with each other, and there just is not that healthy connection. Got it. Okay, so <clears throat> what are the three methods or the themes uh, that your book presents to assist somebody in in this you know sort of crisis, this uh, mental health crisis? I would say the first is just being yourself, being present in the moment. You just be you. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be an expert. People aren't looking for that in a mental health crisis. They're looking for someone that will just be there. So just be present with a person. The subtext of number one is you listen. So listening is very active. Um, it's not just sitting there and allowing someone to talk, but it's paraphrasing back to them. It is truly understanding what they're saying and comprehending what they're saying and not try to assume what you think they're going through, but allowing communication. It's, it's the ability to talk in a way that's not rushed. It's not a situation you have to hurry through. People tend to want to rush through moments that are uncomfortable or scary for them. But it's to take a breath, even yourself, and just listen and communicate slowly and effectively and paraphrase where necessary. So it would be presence, communication, and listening skills. Got it. You know, those are so great because I often see people, I just have to say it, just do it the wrong way. When somebody is having a crisis, especially one of a mental health um and that disconnect is happening and they just feel out of control where they cannot contain themselves. I see people rushing in to fix it and talking too much and just wanting it to kind of go away themselves and actually the situation creating anxiety for the proposed caregiver. <laughs> and it kind of, I've seen it just make the situation worse. But I, I think what you say is so important and it's really important. And I think that this book, Mental Health Emergencies, anybody should get it because I think we're going to be, I think this is the situation that we're talking about is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I think there are incredible times right now that people are uh, trying to navigate and not thrive in, but survive in. And just the ability for somebody to be able to be present in somebody who needs containment is absolutely wonderful and so healing because the last thing you want in a situation like that, and you obviously are the expert here, correct me if I'm wrong, is somebody that meets somebody at their uh, emergency level at that level. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so just being present, there's just, I mean, I think that one of the things that I do in my practice that I feel is, you know, you can't, I don't know if it can be taught, but it is, it definitely isn't book knowledge. It is just that ability to be present and help contain somebody, especially when they're asking for help. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And that's the mistake. I think a lot of everyday people say, well, it's it's not me, it's them, but it really is us. And the, the other part of the book is to destigmatize the mental health. We tend to think it's them. Everybody, it's over there. It's not us. It's somebody else. 
but it's we're all one person away from knowing somebody who's had a mental health emergency or crisis or eventually will have in our lifetime. So having that skill to just know you don't have to be a professional, you just need to be you and be in a place where you can just listen and be until that person can seek out the professional help they ultimately will want to find. Yeah. Yeah, I also love what you say about listening. Um, listening is a pretty, uh, it's a skill that you might think is easy. I don't think it's that easy for folks. Um, I have a joke, an ongoing joke with my mother-in-law. <clears throat> and it's, <laughs> I say, you know, it would help, it would be helpful if you listen with your ears and not with your mouth. <laughs> because uh-huh. that would really, because um, that happens quite a bit sometimes. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, I think that listening is a very active process. And to be intent and really, um, I know some of the best therapeutic communications that are out there that if you really want to understand what somebody is saying, you have to put yourself in a position where you drop everything that your agenda is about and just listen and be courageous enough to do so. And it's, it's a very, I don't think it's an easy skill. I think it's a learned skill and it takes practice, but especially in a mental health emergency, it's something that's so needed because I think these people that are going through mental health emergencies like PTSD, um, panic attacks, they, they're screaming to get something out that's, that might be caught in there. And it's going to be, they're, they're not going to be able to unless they have the space and the containment to do it. Exactly. And, and I even expand that a little further to say listening is a brain activity. You know, the things on the side of our head are just holes that let the noise in so our brain can process it. And so, right. It's, it's a very active process in that it takes thinking. And I, I teach youth. I've been, um, I've actually worked with in utero with people with stress and PTSD where they're having babies born with high levels of cortisol in calming the mothers and reducing cortisol levels. So babies can be born with PTSD with as much cortisol as somebody who would be diagnosed with PTSD. So wow. I, I've taught, you know, three year olds, two year olds the skill of listening because we're never too old or too young to learn that skill. And we tend to think we listen for answers, but we listen for information. And, you know, I think in the past we kind of thought we were on the right track, but I love that we have new emerging thoughts and ideas to change change the path because we are moving at a rapid pace in this field. Yeah, no kidding. So <clears throat> you mentioned babies with PTSD, which is fascinating, but I can see actually um, and I am always one where I feel like, you know, okay, diagnoses are diagnoses, right? Uh, they certainly give us something to, to communicate with. Uh, I always care about the mechanism behind the diagnosis. But I think PTSD has a certain connotation. In fact, I was on a panel recently and uh, there was a question from a, a gentleman who had gotten in a very traumatic car accident and he was confused because his practitioners had been he you know had diagnosed him with PTSD and he was confused because he never had served in the military and he thought how could i have PTSD mm-hmm. if i hadn't if i hadn't served in the military and so we went through the mechanisms of how that happens but what are some other explanations or um examples of of people or of of situations that display post traumatic uh Stress disorder. Stress disorder. So part of that, I I worked with, um, it was 
parent-child psychotherapy, where we looked, we didn't, but they looked at mothers with high levels of cortisol who were having babies that were born, and these babies were exhibiting very fussy behavior, and they likened them to be prone to more childhood neglect and abuse because they were fussier babies, they were hard to handle, they weren't feeding well. And so we went clear back to in utero and worked with parents with high levels of cortisol, and that's what they were measuring to determine the PTSD and give parents coping skills so that they weren't having babies born with duress. Um, Another type of trauma is vicarious trauma. So if you're somebody who has listened to, or a child, or somebody who actually has heard stories and vivid and listen to things over and over, you can be vicariously traumatized by hearing stories with real examples. You know, the news inundates us with these really tragic things that happen, and we can experience trauma through that just by hearing things over and over. We have to learn to maybe tune some of this out so we're not vicariously traumatized, which causes our whole non-existence escalate, jumpy, we're you know, it's not just about war, it's about exposure to any event. You know, I was uh, sort of kind of fussing around with some of the research done in the 70s about uh, adverse childhood events. And there's actually a place where you can figure out, so ACE, you can figure out your ACE score. And, you know, there are things that happen um, to us, maybe even in your door, but when we're a child, and if we don't fully excavate them or bring them into our consciousness or heal from them or understand them thoroughly, they can contribute to us as adults in our modern day society with all these other stressors that are palpable, you know, uh, financial stressors, relationship stressors, uh, even the, you know, pollution and environmental stressors that we have. And they can actually make a difference. They can create that primal brain where there's this hypervigilance, excuse me, um, and so th- I think that all is extremely important to understand. It's very important. And they've actually found that the higher your ACE score, it can actually reduce your lifespan by 20 years. And yeah. the ACE score, you know, we we did not give it enough credit when it came out. Now we're relooking at it saying there is a lot to that. We're finding the early on studies now. These people have lived their long lives and they are living 20 less years than anybody else that had the IA scores when the study first began. So it's imperative to know your ACE score. It's imperative to know yourself. So always helping yourself, doing things as a helping person and as an everyday person, doing things to help you stay healthy are the most important and the biggest, I guess, things that build resilience against what life brings to us on a daily basis. So self-care, it kind of comes back around whether you have a high ACE score, whether you've experienced mental health crisis, and I'd liken anybody to not have experienced something in their life. You know, it comes back to what are you doing for you? How are you taking yeah. care of yourself on a daily basis? And <laughs> it all kind of wraps up into that. Yeah, I, I joke with my friend, uh, her name, I'll just call her Viv. But uh, I said, you know, you treat self-care like like a um, like a pedicure appointment. She's like, you know, no, I have to do a little self-care today. I said, honey, that is a full-time job. You can't just schedule it in once a month. It doesn't work that way. And and she's she sometimes is living proof of that. So I think that's extremely important. And you know, I've always said, especially in your field, uh, licensed clinical social worker, therapist, etc., that you know, it's a recommendation that I make to my patients all the time because I feel like when 
somebody has the ability to have more consistent contact with a, a therapeutic relation, it, it allows them to have more consistent contact with themselves. And I think some of the things that you mentioned as far as the health crises um, from emotional instability to depression to substance abuse um, are things that we do to actually get away from ourselves or that happen to us because we are getting trying to get away from ourselves and our thoughts and our feelings instead of, of leaning in a bit. And so I just want to mention your book once again. It's Mental Health Emergencies. And, and basically what I'm ascertaining, a quick reference I mean, you know, first responders, even friends, anybody, you said lay public, police officers, firefighters, teachers, human resource professionals, anyone that's called upon to provide care in the midst of a mental health crisis. This is a really tactical book. It absolutely is. You, You said it exactly. And then where can people find it, Michelle? Wherever bookstores or wherever... Wherever books are sold, we're in all, all right. of the major Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but wherever books are sold. All right, folks. So I, I say, here's what, here's my uh, instruction for the day: go and get this little guide to mental health emergencies because, I, as I said, I feel um, in, here talking from mindful medicine perspective that our sort of situation of emotional and mental health crises are going to get. Uh, worse before it gets better collectively and so we can all be there for each other and this is a quick uh, really handy tactical guide to help you understand how you can be present how you can listen how you can communicate uh, while uh, other professionals are on their way or between bridging that gap between somebody having a crisis and then um, getting to where they need to be to really land and do some um, ultimate healing. So Michelle, thank you so much for your work. um, And thank you so much for being with us and folks out there in mindful medicine world. Once again, thanks for spending some time with us today and we'll see you next time.